The COVID-19 pandemic has challenged all sectors and industries to adapt to a new normal, oftentimes forcing a switch change in operations. The transportation sector has been hit particularly hard as millions of residents minimize their travel and shelter at home. At the same time, essential workers, including healthcare workers at the UCLA Ronald Reagan Hospital, rely on public transportation to get safely to and from work. Today, I chat with Renee Fortier, the Executive Director of UCLA Events and Transportation, about how UCLA has responded to ensure safe transportation during these uncertain times. Renee, it's so great to have you join us today. You know, over the past couple of months, we've seen how COVID-19 has affected different industries and sectors in profound ways. And I'm really excited to talk to you about how UCLA Events and Transportation has responded to COVID-19. So I'd like to start off broadly and learn from you how COVID-19 has affected your work and also the shelter-in-place orders So, Wendy, the COVID-19 and the shelter-in-place orders have had a really significant impact on events and transportation operations and on our revenues that support all our services, including our sustainable and active transportation. From an operations perspective, we had to really quickly shift into high gear to put in measures to keep our bus drivers and mechanics and parking valet staff and the customers safe because we're continuing to provide essential services in support of the Ronald Reagan Medical Center. And we also had to really quickly bring our customer service center to remote operations in order to continue to answer the questions that are coming in from students, staff, and faculty about their commute. And also, some of them wanted to change their mode of transportation, so we had to assist them with that remotely. But from a financial perspective, it's also been really difficult. It's been a really major reduction in funding that will be available to support our projects or our services. But really, we're fortunate that we'd already put in over seven miles of bike lanes on campus and a lot of pedestrian and other improvements for mobility. So we're also rethinking how we do business so that we can continue to provide mobility and access for the UCLA community, even as our resources are stretched thin. So personally, I have never been busier. I really thought perhaps when I was working from home, it might be less busy. But any time that I might have saved on my commute has been more than taken up by having even more things that we are looking into and having to track and and deal with from the COVID and also figuring out how we're going to work differently as we begin to return to campus. Yeah, I, well, it, it's certainly ironic for you in particular in transportation, who's not transporting yourself back and forth to the campus to be even more full of, your day is fuller for the work you do. And you have always been a huge champion of active transport. And I'd like to understand, you know, when you think about a um, disaster You think about it in four stages, right? Preparedness, response, recovery, and resurgence. And I have to get my hat off for you to really give you recognition on the preparedness that you've done in regards to active transport. I'd like to understand what does that mean as you recover and resurge? Where do you think you're going to go with uh, 
the shifts that might be happening due to uh, COVID-19? Well, one of the things that we're trying to do, Wendy, is to look at this as an opportunity. So right now, the streets are pretty empty. And there have been other cities around the world who have used that as an opportunity to turn over more of the real estate on the streets to walking and biking. So we are going to be pushing with the city to see if it's possible to get um a jump start on some of the bike lane projects that we had been talking about for years with them, particularly to see whether or not it wouldn't be possible to get either a study going for the Westwood bike lane or even better, a pilot. So we're going to be pushing on it. Hopefully we'll have success on it. But it is an opportunity to look at things differently now that we have less cars on the streets and to encourage active transportation because people may be more reluctant to do some of the other, especially ride-sharing modes, this is a great time to have more people walking and biking. One thing that, Renee, that really has stuck with me for so long is your capacity to market active transport in a way that's supporting health and well-being. And that was a huge selling point compared to the environmental impacts of, of uh, active transport. I'd love to hear more about your reflection on that for our listeners. So we've been really successful in marketing that we have had hundreds of people on the campus give up their parking permits with our earn a bike program. And that is something that people understand the health benefits of really well of, of cycling. What is probably more surprising is that public transit is actually a quite active transportation mode. There's a really significant connection between health and public transit commutes. So, for example, there was a study done in the city of Charlotte that transit users lost an average of six and a half pounds and 1.18 BMI points and had an 81% reduced odds of becoming obese. And of course, that's because they're actually getting more exercise going to and from public transit. That's that's incredible. And I know that we use that in, med- in medicine. We suggest with active transport, getting out a stop earlier or stop later to add a few more blocks to your walk to and from this your form of active transport, which usually I guess is the bus or now we have trolleys and some other opportunities. You know, um, Ron Emanuel came out with a quote that I think is very apropos of this time, which is you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. Is there something uh, that you think you could not have done before this COVID-19 that maybe is in the horizon now in terms of transportation or other work that you do? You know, the number one thing is the grand experiment that we've all been doing with telecommuting and COVID-19. There was a lot of resistance before among managers in particular to do telecommuting. And now what we're seeing is that it's working. So um, it's great to have a green commute but it's also great to have no commute sometimes. So this is going to be, I think, a great opportunity. It will have, I believe, long-lasting impacts on the remote work as an option because people are seeing that not only are they getting productivity, in some cases they're even getting more productivity out of employees who are telecommuting. So hopefully as COVID-19 fades out and 
we have herd immunity from a vaccine, folks are going to both return to sharing a ride on public transit, but also to look at not having a commute at all on days of the week. So this is something I think is going to stay around. And are you finding that with your staff as well, that the productivity has gone up? Oh, yes. Yeah. In fact, um, one of my managers was working from home and his wife is working from home too. And she said to him, oh, I didn't realize that you work so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And um, it's, it's interesting because I also read an article that many people are seeing that they're actually working an average of two to three hours more a day telecommuting. So I guess maybe one of the other um, benefits of this is people's partners and spouses may be appreciating them even more. Yeah, it's a really nice silver lining. I love that. You know, moving to the other form of commuting outside of the active transport, although buses are considered active transport, what would you say to students, faculty, and staff who relied heavily on buses to get to campus uh, once campus reopens, what do you think? What what kind of assurances are you going to be offering up to these um, students and staff? And I'm ha- I happen to be one of them, faculty members who takes the bus frequently. And in fact, on the when when we closed down the campus, I was probably one of the last people to take the bus. Me and another grad student back home that day. Well, I'm glad you're still taking it, and I just wanted to say that. In terms of what the public transit agencies are doing, the CDC has guidelines that they are asking the transit agencies to run additional service, lower the number of people allowed on board, and even install physical guides to ensure riders can stay six feet apart. They also recommend daily health checks for transit workers. And both the CDC and LA Public Health have also issued guidelines for cleaning and disinfecting procedures. Now, in terms of our Bruin bus, and we carry about um, 1.3 million rides per year on it, we're going to be also limiting the number of passengers and requiring them to wear face coverings while they're on board. We're also fully disinfecting our Bruin buses daily, and we're going to be doing um, throughout the day cleaning of handrails and hand straps and doors and providing hand sanitizer on the buses and asking patrons to use it. And we will be doing temperature checks of our drivers at the start of every shift and installing plexiglass barriers in the driver compartments as well. We're also going to ask our customers if they not board the buses if they're experiencing any symptoms and ask them to maintain six feet from other passengers while they're on board. So all of these things should give some assurance to people that this is not only a good way to get around, but that we are doing everything we can to minimize their exposure. And the transit agencies are going to be doing the same sorts of things, the public transit agencies. And so currently, Renee, you said you are one of the essential workers on campus, so you're continuing the rides, especially given the, the health um, care workers that are coming and going, is your operation at a different level in terms of numbers of buses running, or is it how is that playing out right now? Oh, it's it's very very much truncated. We're just helping with transport of medical personnel right now, um, and we are also doing maintenance and cl- doing things like cleaning the ambulances. 
So our maintenance staff are also helping out with the medical employees. And then we also have um, our valet attendants at the medical center at Reagan, and they are continuing to help patients with their parking. Right, right. So that I forgot about the ambulances because we run a series of ambulances as well. Is that under your purview of transportation? Um, no, the ambulances are actually with the medical center and with the um, fire department actually has an ambulance that runs on the campus as well, our UC fire department. Well, so it sounds like for, from your point of view, you've got some good guidance from the CDC, you've got some good guidance from the city, and you're following these steps as we speak now. So it's the only difference will be once we reopen that you'll just have a higher number of buses in your fleet operating. Is that what you're going to, that's how much you foresee? So um, we actually have a plan that's not only increasing the number of buses that we have running today, but we also know that that's not going to be enough with social distancing. So we are working with Santa Monica Big Blue Bus to reroute one of its lines so that it can pick up more passengers at places that we have very heavy loads at certain times a day. So one of those is the Weyburn Terrace Graduate Student Housing. So we're hoping that they can help with this because otherwise it will be an issue because we don't want crowding on the buses, nor do we really want people to be left behind. Very interesting. Yeah. So you're working with the city and figuring out ways to leverage each other's resources. That sounds very promising. Of course, my pipe dream is to see more bike lanes and see them go up during our resurgence or even our recovery phase. And are there any opportunities with the monies that are coming from the federal government that could actually kickstart some of this work? Well, I'm not sure about whether or not there would be any funding from the federal government, but good news is that this is a very good time to do construction because there's less traffic on the roadways. And the city of Santa Monica has actually started some of the work on the health pathways study. So we're very excited about that. And we're hopeful that we can kind of use that the city of Santa Monica has already started to prod the city of Los Angeles to do the work on its section of the health pathways. It's a great opportunity to do it when there's very, very little car traffic on the roads. Yeah. Could you explain? That's such a good point. Can you explain for the listeners what the health pathway is referring to? So we had a study done between the two hospitals, the Santa Monica UCLA Hospital and the Ronald Reagan UCLA Hospital, because there are a lot of employees that go back and forth between the two places and patients to some extent as well. And there is not a good bike route today. So that study recommended some changes both within the city of Santa Monica city limits and on the on the streets that are in the city of LA as well, such as Ohio. And they're not huge changes, but they would make it so much safer and so much better to get between the two hospitals. And Wendy, as a cyclist, I'm sure you know that there are many times during the day when you can actually get faster on your bicycle than you could if you were driving a car. Oh yeah, easily. Like three times faster or three times less time. Yeah. 20 minutes versus an hour by car, 20 minutes by, by bike. 
Yeah. And I'm so grateful to you for doing that since I have been doored, hit by a car and flew over my handlebars on Ohio. So having a, having a, a bike route that doesn't have cars that could potentially do one of those three things would be really, really probably much more encouraging for people to actually bike in general. I think people are picking up their bikes and biking right now because of the concern about public transportation, but also because there are less cars on, on the road. So this is exciting, very exciting to hear that that's moving ahead at this stage. We'll also employ people. So that is like a win-win-win for everybody. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I know, I'm sure you have a lot of worries on your mind, but what is the biggest thing that keeps you up at night? Like what, if you were to wake up and have your mind sort of ticking away, what, what are you worried about? So currently what's keeping me up at night is concern about our staff safety. You know, we are still supporting the medical center during this first phase of COVID-19. We're doing everything we can to supply them with masks and gloves and regularly disinfecting and cleaning their vehicles and their workplaces. But exposure is always a worry. But looking forward, my concern is more that as a campus, we continue to embrace healthy and sustainable transportation options and continue to stay out of driving alone and continue to reduce traffic and the resultant air pollution for the good of the community, the planet, us as individuals. So if there's really been a silver lining with this deadly pandemic, it's been a dramatic drop in traffic and the resultant wonderful clean blue skies in Los Angeles. So how can we make that crisis an opportunity and have the campus continue to embrace sustainable, healthy commutes or even commute-free days as the stay-at-home orders ease and we return back to campus. Yeah, I mean, I could see the flip side of everybody being afraid of group travel and will go more in their single occupancy car, which is counterproductive to all of the sustainability goals and, and health goals, really. That's probably one of the one of the single forms of poor commuting. I mean, commuting that contributes to poor health, right? Single occupancy cars, social and physical well being. Yeah, that's that's why it's one of my worries. We've made such great progress over the years, and it would be just too bad to have it backslide during this. So I'm hoping that we can use things like having people telecommute, but also encouraging more bicycling and walking as ways that would counter the fears that people might have of being on van pools or or buses. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really reassuring and comforting to know that you're in charge of transportation during this time that is going to have to redefine the new normal and really, I think, take on some opportunities that can enhance our well-being coming out of this uh, pandemic. And I'd love to know from your own personal point of view, what do you, what would you like to see uh, as part of the resurgence for our campus and for our society? What would you like to see that might not have been there before COVID nineteen in in the in a man a big manner? Well, what I'd really like to see is people. Seeing how wonderful it is to have the clean air and the blue skies right now and not so much traffic on the streets and saying, hey, this is a really great lifestyle change. We support more bike lanes. We support more walking. And 
that would be a wonderful thing if people can say, let's take this time to rethink how we interact and how we commute and and put health and well-being ahead of the few minutes maybe that people might save who are driving and think about, I'm going to do a healthier mode. I, I'm going to get on public transit because it's healthier and I will be less stressed. Or I'm going to bicycle or walk because I am going to use this time to make myself healthier. And at the same time, it will make the whole community healthier. So that's my hope. I'm hoping that people will realize that we can have a better and healthier way forward. Hmm. So on your buses, you often have these great encouraging kinds of statements or advertisements that do promote health and well-being. What do you, what do you foresee for the next uh, ad campaign? What will it be? I think we're going to be heavily pushing um, walking and biking. These are great ways to get to and from campus. And we've had a lot of people successfully switching to both of those modes, and I'm hoping that that will continue. But that's what we plan to really push for the fall, along with continuing to embrace telecommuting. Right now, we all have to, and maybe people are getting tired of telecommuting every single day of the week, but there are advantages to it, too, for doing it maybe two days a week or three days a week, if you can, because it allows you to not have a commute, to be productive, but to also maybe have more time to spend, you know, with your family or um, taking, you know, breaks that are maybe not as easy to attain when you're in the office. So this is something that I think will will stay. And I think that along with active transportation or where we really see things more heading as we go back. Yeah, I, I agree. If I look forward to the future, the subway construction is beginning. It's beginning later this month. So, you know, we we actually have mass transit on the move in Los Angeles, and that is going to be a real game changer for the city as well. Well, the um, telecommuting piece that you're describing, Michael Pfeffer from UCIT uh, university, the UC uh, Health System IT, he found that it actually retained more of his employees by instituting telecommuting and it saved on rent. And it also made people much happier in his division and, and he was able to retain people more. So I think you're right. And they are very personalized in how they determine who should telecommute and who shouldn't. And for what days, and it's very, there's a contract written up for each person. So it can be very individualized, but it also can be a real um, game changer in terms of emotional well-being, social well-being, and also our planet's well-being. So I think that between that and your active transport messaging, it will be a really, um, really important moving forward for us to continue this conversation. The subway is definitely going to be another kind of interesting step forward. Hopefully, by the time it opens, there won't be a COVID-19 pandemic, but I'm sure they'll continue those kinds of, you know, the kinds of practices that we're doing now because there's probably going to be other threats in the future that will come our way. And we have to recognize that we are all a community. Our world is a community and we have to um, be uh, respectful of each other, other communities, and also respectful of our planet. 
mean, this is a big, I think, wake up call for all of us. Yeah, Wendy, I really think that there's going to be a lot of change that's lasting out of this. And hopefully those changes are changes that are going to make us all work toward a healthier individual lifestyle, but also a healthier lifestyle for our communities and for our planet. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that out of what is a crisis and what is not so good, there will be good that comes out of it in terms of how we view our individual health and, and the health of our community and our planet as well. Yes. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. I am with you on the hope and the hopefulness. And together we are stronger, so we'll do it together. And um, thank you for all you do, Renee, and leading also the Be Well pod and all the work you do for Seminole Healthy Campus Initiative but for, and for the entire university. You're a real um, trend center and a leader in our in our community on so many levels. And you've also really been supportive and inspiring for other campuses in terms of your active transport campaigns and also your reducing the number of parking spaces on campus that would potentially have held another single occupancy car parked. So all of that, we thank you for that. Thank you, Wendy, and thank you for your leadership. It's really been great to have transportation really married in a, in a really good way with health through the Be Well Pod and the Healthy Campus Initiative. So it's, it's really been a wonderful experience and we hopefully will continue to do even greater things going forward. Yes, exactly. In our recovery and resurgence phases, we're going to do great things. Who knows what will, will be the next step? We don't know. Thanks again and have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Six Feet Apart, a special series of the Live Well podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by UCLA's Semel Healthy Campus Initiative Center. To stay up to date with the rest of the episodes in this special series and to get more information on maintaining your mental, social, and physical well-being during COVID-19, please visit our website at healthy.ucla.edu backslash livewellpodcasts. Thank you and stay remote.